Welcome to Dream Chasers Radio, where we are always daring to be different. Get ready, get ready, get ready to be inspired. Let's get moving toward our goals. And here to make that happen is our host, Yaya Diamond. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are back, Dream Chasers Radio. Thank you for listening to us on 97.5 FM, Real Community Radio in Norfolk, Florida, as well as on Bomb Baby Radio in New York City and the Caribbean Community Radio Stations and all of the Dream Chasers Radio Network. I am so busy, but I am so thankful. Uh, I'm thankful because, wow, the love I'm getting on Facebook is amazing. Um, I want to let you know if you're listening to me right now that, there's no way I'm going to be able to um, actually answer all 800 friend requests properly. I'm going to have to be a little bit um, picky. Uh, so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that I can't accept. And then if I, when I reach the 5,000, I'm not going to be able to accept anybody. So if you uh, are on Facebook and you've asked me for a friend or if you'd like to follow me on Facebook, please go to Dream Chasers Radio and go ahead and follow that page. You can even follow my artist page, Yaya Diamond, at the Yaya Diamond on uh, Facebook. Uh, it, it's just, you know, it, it, the love is amazing. Thank you so much to Jimmy Jam, uh, part of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Thank you so much, you guys. I mean, it's amazing um, all of the things that are happening and I don't know why, but that's okay. It's all right. I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to go ahead and go with it. I want to thank you guys for tuning in today and listening to me. And, uh, you know, we have a great show for you today. I kind of jumped on because I, I, wanted to, I wanted to inspire you today. I want to inspire you to be the best that you can be. And so um, I, I, I actually listened to a lot of inspirational pe- people like Les Brown and Gary Vee and um, Lisa Nichols. And I, I have a, a couple of things I want to share with you today from Gary Vee. And the first one is, when okay, so when things don't go always as planned, when they don't always go as planned, we have to kind of take a risk. And so Gary Vee talks about that. When you start thinking about Alexa and all these other things, one of the things that my career has been completely predicated on is the fact that I am willing to take chances on things that aren't mainstream yet because I understand that if I go after social code and if I go after Vine and if I go after Micmac and if I go after Yak and if I go after all these things that I only need one of those seven to actually hit, Snapchat, Instagram, to win that bet. We have enormous fear in this room to, I have to wait, or let's wait till it's big, or what if I waste my time? Awkward, right? Yeah, super awkward. You you can leave if you want, but you can chill too. Got it. Will I waste my time on these platforms, right? Will I waste my time on these platforms if it doesn't become big. And so one of the other themes that I really wanted to leave here with tonight, knowing the demo of this room, is we have to have a lot more risk tolerance on new platforms. If you're not playing, back to details, and I know you're taking notes, if you're not playing with Marco Polo 
and after school and house party, then you're not there potentially at the platforms that can become the next things at the top of our tongue. How many people here, let's be really honest. Let's be really, really, really honest with ourselves inbound. Please raise your hand if this is true. How many people in this room, and I want everybody to look around, said two and a half years ago, three years ago, maybe even a year ago, that they would never be on Snapchat that was stupid and now have a Snapchat account? Raise your hands. Raise it high, higher. This, this is where all the action is. This is where all the action is. This is the opportunity in this room but we continue to downplay. We continue to downplay the upside because we fear the risk of being on there and wasting time. If you have not achieved what you want to professionally or in life, time is the number one thing you've got. You need to deploy as much of that as humanly possible. That is the asset. When you have not achieved the things that you want to happen in life, and it is because of time that you haven't wanted to put into these platforms of worlds, that is a massive mistake. It's the one asset you have. Not everybody in this room has money. It's true. You agree, right? So are you going to work your fucking face off? Thank you. It's the one thing we have. It's the one thing we have because everybody wants to come up with excuses. I'd spend my life reading excuses on social media and my inbox. I'm this, I wasn't born that way, I wasn't born here, this, I'm a, a female, I'm an immigrant, I'm a minority, I'm a transgender, I, ex excuses, reality. By the way, I truly believe those are disadvantages. I'm not naive to the shortcomings of this country. The problem is, nobody cares. The market doesn't care. So we sit and we dwell, and it's, what do you think we've been doing for the last month? And what we're gonna do tomorrow morning, we're gonna dwell and complain, and that's utter defense, instead of going on the offense. And so we spend unbelievable amounts of time dwelling and wasting our time on dumb shit. Like, pe people literally email me and say, you're so lucky, and I wish this was happening to me. And then the third tweet, or the third Instagram post is, awesome Saturday, stayed home and watched entire season of fucking Game of Thrones. We need to start understanding how big this opportunity is because for everybody in this room, you will sit back in 20, 30 years and regret if you didn't execute in this era. And by the way, I don't want to hear that this is for 20 and 30 year olds. 40, 50, 60, 70. It's an equal playing field if you're willing to be a practitioner and understand the ecosystem that I've been speaking about tonight. There's never been a better time. Look, it's very obvious. These kind of characters, there was no respect for 20-year-olds in the business world 20 years ago when I came out, but now because of technology, there's a lot of organizations that absolutely respect 20 and 30-year-olds. Also, what is happening is I'm spending so much time with 40 to 60-year-old executives who are dwelling and are upset and tell me dumb shit like, but Gary, I didn't grow up with this shit. Neither did I, Alice. I was 20 before I even was on a computer. I didn't grow up with this shit. I figured it out. And so I sit there and see completely capable operators that have made it happen for the last 20, 30 years being crippled by, I don't understand how Snapchat works. It's so confusing. We're just filled with excuses. We are. 
people are just losing their hunger. And then, and then, by the way, let me get really mad for two seconds with my fancy rich friends. The thing that I'm completely blown away by that I had no idea was going on in capitalism and meritocracy is once you get rich, you actually try to spend your dollars to create laws that allow you not to work and still hold on to your money. 100%, right? I mean, I'm blown away by this. You were benefit. You were benefited because in your 20s to 60, for 40 years, you grinded and out-executed somebody, and you were able to make lots of money, but now that you're tired, and you're finished, and you're older, and don't want to put in the work, you don't want the next young buck to come along and eat your lunch. That's not how capitalism works. It's true. It's just not. And so we have all these trends, and we have the great fortune of living in an era where things have been really good for a very long time. And so I walk around the world, and I told my wife Lizzie, I'm like, Lizzie, listen to me. I don't care, clearly, because I was such a shit student, what the kids do at school, but please, they can't be in programs where we give away seventh place trophies. I have no idea who wins the election tonight. But we need to fucking ban seventh place trophies in America. And so we have all these macro situations going on. And not to mention, for a lot of people here under 30, you haven't been in the game during an economic downturn because things have been very cushy for the last seven years where if you're 23 years old and you have an idea, your company's miraculously worth $4 million. And so we're living in a very intriguing time, and I think that the passion and the angst and the energy that I bring tonight are predicated on a couple of tried and true things. Number one, if you're not making long-term decisions, you will be vulnerable. The market's changing very quickly, and anybody who's looking for short-term stuff gets short-term stuff and then gets hurt in the long term. Things like Airbnb. Guys, Airbnb shouldn't have been invented by Brian and Joe. Airbnb should have been invented by Marriott, but Marriott is looking short-term and isn't creating business models to put themselves out of business. Uber should have not been created by Garrett and... They should, they should have not been created by Garrett and Travis. They should have been created by the guy or girl that owned the most medallions in New York City or by Greyhound. If you sit here tonight and you're doing well, you're in danger because there's somebody young and hungry that has the internet, which is a platform that creates a zero cost to get into the game that's coming after your shit. So if you don't do what I do, which is wake up every single morning, every single morning, and try to put yourself out of business, somebody else is going to do it for you. It is much more fun, my friends, to put yourself out of business than have somebody else do it for you. And so please, if you're cushy, who's cushy? Raise your hand if shit's going real well. Jesus Christ. People raise their hand. I think you need to shut down this fucking, you're doing good? Awesome, man. What was that? I was like, you're doing good? You're like, yeah, we're doing okay. All right, yeah, always. So you've got to understand the only thing that's interesting to me and the only thing I have, I always say that basically my career is predicated much more similar to Mariano Rivera than anything else that I can think of. If you're a baseball fan, he was a very good closer for the New York Yankees where basically his entire career was predicated on one pitch. He had one pitch for 17 years and nobody could hit it. And that's basically my business career. I've got one pitch, which is the following. 
I know what you're going to do before you know you're going to do it. It's the thing that I was gifted with, just like if you can sing, just like you can shoot. I've always had the intuition. I was made fun of and aggressively made fun of for launching a website in 1996 because just like people sit here and think that Vine or Snapchat is a fad, there's people in this room that remember where the whole internet was a fad. But I bet on it. And I built a big business. And then I was made fun of because this thing called YouTube came out and I took a chance on that because I thought it was going to be big and started a wine show and sat in front of a camera and drank four bottles of wine for 20 minutes and hundreds of thousands of people watched it. And then that worked. And then Twitter worked. And I invested in Twitter and Facebook and things of that nature. But I had so many losses along the way. One thing that's never talked about with my genius career was that I was on YouTube super early, but I left six months in and started producing Wine Library TV exclusively on Viddler. I was wrong. One thing that's not talked about is that I thought that the biggest startup in the world in 2010 was going to be Yobongo. <laughs> I was wrong. And I continue to be interested in being wrong for the rest of my life because I am a purebred entrepreneur because I'm not scared of trying things and wasting my valuable time because I want things. And most of all, and this is the most of all the whole thing, I just genuinely don't give a fuck about what you think about me. Balanced with, I really care about what everybody says about me. And in that friction, and I mean that, you have to deploy real ego and real humility around this course because we live in that world. But if I could inspire anything in the time that I was here today, it's very simply this. Please do me one favor. I'm going to wrap it up with this, and this matters so much to me. Please, whatever it takes, call your grandmother, go to your great grandfather's burial spot, go back to the old country, go to a shelter, do something, do something that recalibrates your perspective on what is actually going on here. We have never had it better. My friends, I'm going to leave you with a very interesting data point. You guys like data? Who likes data? Great. Let me give you some fucking data. More people in America will die from a coconut falling out of a tree and hitting you on the head and killing you than terrorism. Yeah. I see you tentative like, is he fucking serious? I'm dead fucking serious. Kids 7 to 11 watch more Twitch esports than all the four major sports combined. That's data. We are living through a totally different time. Ten years ago, the weirdest thing in the world was your friend dated people online. Now every single person swipes to the left and right 24-7. And so the trends in our society have changed. And either you're going to sit here and binary, this is a black and white conversation, either you're going to leave here and understand how fucking awesome it is and you're going to take full advantage of it and be a winner or you're going to sit and dwell on all the negatives of it and be a losing player. It's just the truth. It's not complicated. It's not fun for me to say I don't want you to lose. I desperately want you to win. But this is on you. Nobody else is in control. There are people who deal with things like the loss of their children 
or real diseases. We're sitting and dwelling about not getting enough likes on fucking Instagram. We're sitting and dwelling about forces that don't really have impact on us. It is time that this collective room and our space understands this is the greatest golden era of not only business, but life, and you really, and I mean really, need to fucking grab it. Thank you. Wow. You know, we do need to grab it. This is one of the best times to be alive today, um, to be a part of the Internet, to be a part of this movement, to be a part of this moment. You know, I'm on the radio. That's something I never thought would happen. I am on the radio. I'm on the radio for the last 11 years, uh, interviewing people that I would never, ever, ever think I would ever uh, contact. You know, I was just talking to somebody the other day, and they were talking about the movie out, um, the uh, the one that made Jaws look bad. It's, uh, what is it, um, Megalodon. If you go back into the archives here on Dream Chasers Radio, you'll see that I interviewed the writer of that actual book before it even came out as a movie. And so it's like, I never thought that I would even be contacted by the actual people, the crew, their team, to actually interview them. That's how that happened. I did not chase after anybody. They came to me. And I'm not saying anything is wrong with that or that I'm high and mighty or that I've made it because I haven't. I'm just sitting here being who I am. And just like you, you know, being who you are and being inspired by what you want to do in life, things just happen. Roll with it. But be hungry for it. You're living in a wonderful, wonderful moment. And I I want to let you in on the life of the 1%. You know, Gary V, I know that a lot of people don't like Gary V, but he has some really, really cool points. I love it that he uh, he's himself when he goes out. He doesn't pull any punches. He is himself completely. And so what I wanted to do today was kind of highlight some of his highlights that I like to listen to, things that I like about Gary Vee. And, and being that I've read his book and also the audio book, Crushing It, you know, like uh, about a year ago, I think that's an amazing thing. I didn't know which one I was going to crush on. It just kind of happened. And so what we want to do is we want to crush it in our own lives. What is crushing it to you? What is that? Is that something that you, you know, you're a millionaire or anything? Are you chasing the money or are you chasing the dream? I advise that when you chase money, it's just not, it's not, it's not a great thing because money can go anywhere. It can be one place one moment and another place the next. And if you know about the stock market, you know what I'm talking about. So chasing the money isn't really where it's at. It's more like chasing your goals and your dreams. What are you motivated by? What do you want to do in life? Chase that. You'll be happy. And I'm telling you, the money will come. You will be fine. You just have to chase after it. Chase after that, the dream, the love, the aspirations, the goals, the motivation. Chase after what makes you happy, and it doesn't matter what other people say. And if you want to be the one percent, you gotta do. You gotta be. You gotta be on point. Here's Gary Vee with the one percent of life. You're asking for a one percent of one percent life. So far, I've heard I didn't want to eat shit and put out stuff and deal with no feedback for a year or two. I don't want to spend the three or four hours to like learn it because it seems like there's so much. You have to realize when you're asking to do to live a one percent life yes. that you need to do one percent things. 
you've got your perspective. I just want to be happy. Don't you want to be happy? My What's God. up, my brother? It's a real pleasure. How you feeling, it's an man? Honor, man. All real mine, pleasure. Man. For real, man. What's up, man? Ali, Ali, such a pleasure. I like the way you talk, man. You I appreciate that. Words, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's a real pleasure to see you. We were just talking for a second, and you know, I mean, like him being like a living legend and one of the people who could actually touch Diddy, touch me, touch touch anybody. At the I'm same time. I'm aware of you all of it. He has all that leverage, and he has this phone company, and he wanted to talk a little bit about okay. the phone company. And Let's like go. What to do with it. How did it start? Who reached Being out to in you? The right place at the right time. Always. <laughs> I'm frequent in Miami a lot. Um, you know, a small community. Of course. I really wanted to get it because you, there's a lot of you that I see that. Reminds you of myself, which is all of this. Yeah. Because that means you spread in so many different ways. So how the fuck do you reel all that shit back in and then make it make it work for you? The reason I think I've been able to pull it off is 60 to 80% always go to one core big thing. And then I get my nut off on all my other stuff. But I got one thing that's like, you know? Like, it's like a, a, a piece of, it's like food. Like, there's always a steak or a chicken. But then I got a fuckload of Brussels sprouts and carrots and you know. But there's always a core, and it's. It, this, this is that go was ahead. The, that was the phone and that was either the wine store in Springfield, Jersey, or VaynerMedia. If we could figure out on Instagram or Facebook or Snap, Snap, you know, there's places like for me, it's running ads on the internet in lower income individuals targeting lower income individuals who are more likely to not have a plan, in that sweet kind of like. 20 to 30 spot because if you're younger a lot of times your parents are doing it you hit them hard with a bunch of different messages like hey don't worry about you know getting a you know a plan we can go month to month like you catch the right video the right you know it's just like a a, a commercial like on tv like there's millions of commercials but just do it or priceless or where's the beef you know like that's the goal of my company always like what's the internet version of that good Cool. Let's do that next within the next 30 days. Mike, let's take a photo real quick. Yeah, we man. don't sleep. The money don't sleep. Why do we have to sleep? Um, I put out a bunch of videos, but very sporadically here and there. I yep. inspired every once in a while. I put out like four or five videos like everyone else. Okay. Why I see why most people quit. Um, and then nobody watches it. So I think more back to your maybe your wine library days where you just kept pumping them out and out and it took five, seven, eight years. Is that what I'm facing really? Is that just like, yeah, it's like three, five videos constantly, constantly and eventually. Two, like you're just, you just care about short term feedback loops. It's like I don't, I don't have even any feedback. So I'm trying to think how do I. Well, a couple of things you could do. You could yeah. spend money against the content. Okay, that I don't really have. Right. So then you can just be patient and wait for it to come. And when I say you can spend money, and maybe you don't have this either, but you're here, so this will, you should have this, I think. Spending 200 bucks against a video highly targeted will get you feedback if that's what you're yearning. So your basketball example, LeBron James, yep. versus me. Uh, I do like spend like sixty dollars, hundred dollars. Got it. I feel like awesome. I'm gambling at the casino. Yep. I feel like I'm playing the yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's not a tool. So then it brings me back to your, uh, you know, be a practitioner. Spend three weeks and learn how mm-hmm. to. When I go on YouTube, or, or actually YouTube, 
just feels like there's so much out there that everybody's saying a different story. It's like hard to... I think the thing that you have to wrap your head around is what you're asking for. Think about this. Yeah. You said, I want, you know, it's really important. I think you're going to know where I'm going to go. Okay. I want to live a life where I can travel three to four months a year and still run my business and make money. Like you're asking for a 1% of 1% life. You're looking to build a personal brand so that you can travel four months a year. Yes. You have to realize when you're asking to, do, to live a 1% life yes. that you need to do 1% things. So far I've heard, I didn't want to eat shit and put out stuff and deal with no feedback for a year or two because it doesn't feel like it's accomplishing anything. That makes sense to me. Yeah. No, I don't eat 10 years. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to spend the three or four hours to like learn it because it seems like there's so much. Yeah, man. Stick with me here though. Okay, yes. You want to live a 1% life? Like, you have to do 1% things. Like, that's super hard to live a life where you get to travel four months a year. Right. Like that was outrageous of what you just asked for. Okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, no, no, but think about it. But it's a, this is everything. This is the whole nut that you have to, the reason you haven't figured it out, you're fucking out of your mind with what you're asking, thus you have to do ridiculously hard shit to get there, and you're not even giving it a chance, you're not, you're, jump, you're bailing on the hard shit within seconds. Like every data point that I've heard so far, and it's okay, is like no chance, let alone some chance. Because I don't think you've quantified how ridiculous what you're asking for is. Okay. I have to say, I do that. So I, I, I'm the living example. I do exactly what you said. Which is? Travel four months a year and have a business and have it grow. Yes. I'm <laughs> the right people. You're the oldest guy in the room. You were, you were probably right. <laughs> yeah, Steve, <laughs> Steve, Steve, you also had three fucking heart attacks. <laughs> you know, like, I, I mean. I didn't say you exactly. And that's, and, and to your point, how many years did it take us? When did we do it? Years. Dude, I fucking worked in a liquor store for 15 hours a day, seven days a week for years, and somehow people put that as like part of my narrative, but don't give it the respect. You want to live a 1% life. I understand that. Cool. Like, so, I wanted so then you yeah. wanted to build, you told me you wanted to build, a, you thought that building a personal brand is the way to do that. The two core things in building a, per, which is fine, the two core things in a personal brand, you've bailed on immediately. Patience and practitionership. You don't want to do either. I know that you're going to want to take some photos. I need to like just no, count. No, no, no. You what? Go. Okay. I'll take this to your cool. Thank you. I'll see you guys later. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're late. So one thing we want to do. What size T-shirt are you? I'm going to grab a medium. I'm going to grab you a medium. Am I going to wear that? I'm going to wear. I'm going to give you that. We just wanted to take before we start the programming one quick picture with the whole board. and their employees give back. Really enjoying it on the board. Super happy about it. Here with this beautiful man, Ben Lair, founder of Thriller, chairman of Group 9. 
He's a Mets fan. What's this for? It's just a vlog. Yeah, you're famous now. God, yes. The board people, I'm going to say mine. These are all silently supportive individuals. My original co founder, Danny, who married the whole Sam, Gary, Gino, Beth, Emily, and Ellie in the corner. So thank you all. for. So now we're going to do. Yeah, you should take these. Anyway, so we're going to get started with a quick panel. Uh, we seem to, here we go, David and Catherine. So we're going to do this much more quickly than most panels, but we felt like because we had such a, an esteemed group of uh, interesting and wonderful board members, it would be disrespectful not to let them share their immense knowledge, in particular, Gary. <laughs> Gary, as, as you, so VaynerMedia has been in hyper-growth, hiring huge numbers of people for, uh, for years now. Shocking. Uh, are you? What's the thing that you struggle most with um, from a culture perspective? As you, uh, as you sort of need to build a team fast, uh, how do you maintain that? Where does it break down? Sure. So I think there's a lot of variables, and I'll use the context of the other answers in here. You know, this ecosystem, a lot of faces I see. I think what was interesting is at, when I started Vayner, I was coming from investing and and kind of the tech ecosystem, and with Vayner, it's had to be profitable. We didn't raise capital. So it's one thing to maintain culture when you can get away with losing money every year. It's another thing when you have to make payroll every two weeks. So for me, I agree with everything here. And on top of it, I had to be profitable every day since we've had it. That's number one. Number two, I didn't come from the advertising world. And so my biggest problem is for the 900 people that work for me, I'm a little bit of an enigma in a lot of my actions because I'm also breaking the industry and having different perspectives on creative and media. So the truth is, uh, you know, every day in the process of what we're doing, we're, I'm fighting a market that doesn't necessarily want to buy what I'm selling, employees that are holding up the past on a pedestal. So Ben, everything's a problem. <laughs> Does the New York tech community have a, an obligation or responsibility to give back, and, and, and why do you think that's the case? And one of you does have to answer your question. I, I mean, the answer is yes, because if, if, to me, it's not about the New York tech community, it's about every human and organization on earth. If you have the, there is an unbelievable misunderstanding of how much abundance there is in the world. And I think if you're lucky enough to be in a position to be able to, whether you're a human individual here or an organization, a startup, the New York tech community, the San Francisco tech community, the Tokyo tech community, the fashion community in Germany, whatever you are, uh, I think there's, there's a real deep need to understand that there's an underlining obligation if you've been gifted enough with the proper DNA and circumstance that something good is going on. Ben, I just want to add one thing. In the way that you asked the question of like, how do you think about the ROI of social purpose, it's really interesting. For me, I don't think about it at all. I think one of the things I'm fascinated by is when you're giving, that should be it. The, the thought that there's so many people that are using doing the right thing as a gateway drug to a financial output, I think has caused a lot of cynicism and a lot of things that I've seen in startups that 
make me upset, not happy, because I've seen they front-loaded the profits to make it look like they're trying to do good when they're just trying to make money. Like, when I give, I give, period, move on. And so I think that's an interesting conversation that I don't see touched on, and I think that's something that should be debated a little bit. I think, to that point of that interaction, I think, in these scenarios, and I think some of us have had the luxury of being involved in boards or being at these kind of events, like when I think about my life, so many times I've been in the audience and been at things compelled by emotional stories or things that I could help with, and then the high of the moment goes away, the next day comes, life takes over, and you don't act. And so I think for us, you know, for me, whether it's the silent auction or if you're in a position where it's not financial and you can volunteer. I think what I'm doing here to wrap it up is like, here's my action above and beyond, and I would, it would mean the world to all of us associated, whether through some hustle as a volunteer, bidding on something uh, at the silent auction table that you can go flip on eBay later, or however you roll, or uh, by making a donation or getting your organization involved. It would mean so much to us if you could take action on today. It, you know, and, and, and that's, that's how I see it. So thank you so much for being here. Yes. Oh, yes. That one percent of life. <laughs> so what we ask for a lot of times is this doesn't make any sense. And Gary just kind of called him out on that. And also, living that one percent of life means that you got to do that one percent thing. And it's like, okay, so that's probably not going to work. You probably have to have that one main thing, like you said, that you're going after, and then a few other things on the side just to make sure that you're still getting income from other places. So when you're chasing the money, it doesn't really make any sense because that's that one percent of life. That doesn't make any sense. Hmm. So since we have that 1% of life and taking a risk, how about marketing changes? There are different marketing changes that we have, strategies that we don't use, things that we should be using, things that have changed that we shouldn't be using anymore and that we should change too. So, I mean, you know, Gary, of course, has something to say about that. You're asking for me or anybody else to stay stable in a world that constantly moves. The end. You got your perspective. I just want to be happy. Don't you want to be happy? What you'll notice where I go here is there's not many things I believe in. There's just a couple things that are unbelievably true with the way that humans interact and the internet and specifically this device right now have a very big say in the way that all of us in this room can achieve our ambitions, whether that's financial or emotional, uh, whether that's for a business or a startup, whether that's to grow within an organization or start your own business. So the thing that I've been chasing since I was a very little boy is attention. To me, the only thing that 100% connects every person in this room is that we need somebody's attention before we can tell them what they want, whether we're running for a governor, whether we're selling sneakers, whether we want somebody to give us money for our app or become the mayor of our town. No matter what you do in this room, besides all being human beings, the one thing, no matter where you are on your business journey right now or your life journey, is that attention is the fundamental asset. The amount of attention the end consumers in Poland 
give to Instagram and Facebook are extraordinary, the amount of you and the rest of the business world here, big and small, that are pouring money into it is very low. The delta is extraordinary. And if you ask me what the number one thing that would excite me tactically out of this talk is to get so many more of you to spend in those two platforms for whatever business ambition you have. And so many, unfortunately, think that it's not for them or the platform doesn't have their customers on it or that it doesn't work because they've run some ads and it didn't work. And in that misinformation is all of the opportunity. There's a tension. People still see commercials. But the amount of people in 2018 when a commercial comes on that go and look at this in between TV versus how many people did that in 1998. In 1998, this didn't exist. You're watching the mean cooking lady. When it goes into commercial, you're watching that fucking commercial. Maybe you'll talk to your parents, but maybe you'll cook a microwave, but you're watching. In 2018, everybody in here, the second it goes to commercial, grabs this. And now this gets the attention. I did a little homework, that commercial in Polish TV has gone up in price, not down. It's more expensive, not less. Yet, all of you and everybody in this beautiful country's attention goes here. It's now overpriced attention. I have never been to Poland before, and I'm so happy to be here. I looked at my phone the entire time. I've never been in this country, um, I wanted to come to this country because it's so close to where I was born. I got into a car. It's the first time I'm here. And outside the fact that they wanted to show me one building, your main building, which is beautiful, by the way, besides looking at that building for 13 seconds, I looked at my phone the whole time. 20 years ago, I would have watched outside very carefully and looked at all the beautiful differences and similarities. But what I also would have seen was the billboards that you have on your highways and roads. That billboard used to have more value. Today, it's gone up in price from 15 years ago, yet everybody here, when they're not driving as a passenger, is looking at their fucking phone. My friends, understanding this is very, very important. The amount of people in here who are wasting money in marketing every day because it used to work is the opportunity and the danger depending on how you're navigating your business and your life. What used to work is always the thing that's going to put you out of business. Looking backwards allows somebody to pass you. I am astonished by how many people when they produce content for the internet produce it for their self-interest, not for their audiences. I am astonished by how many of you, and I can think about 12 to 15 of you, and I'm trying to see if I can see any of your faces. I was astonished by how many of you produce content just in your best interest, not in your audiences. It's about you and what you're trying to sell. And for you, at every post, and every post, at every post, I know it makes me cry. <laughs> She's right, the baby is fucking right. Just like attention, supply and demand is everything. 
And if you're going to be a personal brand or a coach or an influencer or have an app or sell something, you have to understand in 2018, in a world of Amazon and Facebook and Instagram, everybody's going to do that. There's nothing anybody here is going to start that can't be started by hundreds of thousands, millions, and tens of millions of people for the same zero cost. The great thing about the internet is that we all can play. The terrible thing about the internet is that we can all play. It means you have to actually be good. Yesterday I was in London, a girl came up to me, she stood on stage, I was about to leave, but she was very emotional, I wanted to do it nice, so I came over. She said to me, I've been trying so hard for a year to build influence, you know, and I'm like, well, how old are you? She's like, 20. I'm like, well, what do you want to talk about? Well, I just want to talk. I'm like, why would anybody fucking listen to you? <laughs> you know, I mean, and I wasn't trying to razz her. I was trying to get her to answer a question. I've always felt comfortable producing content because I didn't produce content for the first 15 years of my career. I first built an actual company. I then actually was right about where the internet was going. I then actually invested in Facebook and Twitter and was right. And then I had the audacity to think that I was worth listening to. Today, everybody just wants to be listened to because they want to get attention to then sell something. Do you know how fucking crazy that is? You need to first put yourself in a place to get the attention. I do not want you to hire a 24-year-old from the Ukraine to run ads for you. I want you to figure it out for yourself. Entrepreneurs, raise your hand. Raise it high and keep it up for a second. Every single person in this room who's got their hand up has to go home, search Google, and type in, how do I run Instagram ads for a lawyer in Poland? How do I run, thank you, how do I run Facebook ads for a banker in Poland? This thing, Google, is fucking crazy. I don't know if you've ever used it. It's got the fucking answers. You have to read it. Look, I'm, de I'm terrible at reading and learning, terrible. But I'm good at listening. So whether you have to read 10 articles, whether you have to listen to 10 podcasts, whether you have to watch 55 videos on YouTube, you have to. Everybody who raised their hands have to, in my opinion, have to. On 25 years of business success, has to. Learn how to do it themselves. You go into your laptop or phone and you place the ad. You have somebody record or you write the picture. You have to see it. You have to taste it. Because if you do not, you will be leaving the biggest opportunity for a business person, human, or entrepreneur on the table since 2001 to 2003 Google. And let me remind everybody here, the biggest advertiser in the first five years of Google was Amazon. The number one person that put the most money into Google during the best era was a company, small company out of Seattle called Amazon. Everybody here knows Amazon right this second for many reasons. Jeff Bezos is an incredible entrepreneur. But do not get it confused. Google advertising was a substantial reason why. The amount of business I'm doing for VaynerMedia and for me by putting out content on LinkedIn is remarkable. It's really what we dreamed it could be five years ago of could you imagine if LinkedIn became a business Facebook? It has. 
If you are in the B2B space here and you are not attacking LinkedIn by putting out articles, videos, and pictures every day, you are leaving money and opportunity on the table. Content is the gateway drug to success in our society. Content is what makes people do something. You now have the ability to make it and have happen for you what you want. It's sitting right in front of you and 99% of you are not making enough of it. I'm making 80 to 100 pieces a day and I'm not making enough of it. There's nothing else to say. I promise you, over the next half decade, Coca-Cola and IBM and Kentucky Fried Chicken and Hard Rock, the cafe I did see when we were driving here, and everybody else is going to wake up and they're going to start running ads in Facebook and Instagram and you're not going to get in front of 1,000 people in Poland for $5 anymore. It's going to cost $80. And the other thing is, everybody here is not going to be looking at their stream very carefully as they were today in five years, just like they don't look at their email as carefully today as they did 10 years ago. Attention is the asset executing against it is how you win. I really, really, really appreciate your attention and thank you for having me. You basically asked me, hey, in the fitness industry, a lot of people are being sold that they can get into shape by not doing anything. I want to get them to get into shape by actually doing push-ups. Teach people how to do push-ups. There's plenty of people winning on Facebook that are not pushy. Mm -hmm. The problem is 98% of people are pushy. That's why you see so much of it. Yeah, but there's nothing, really, there's nothing really coming out of it. We feel that they are too pushy and we reject it at the beginning. No shit. <laughs> so, what, what, so we have to be pushy anyway. No, you don't be pushy. Don't be pushy. Don't be pushy. Don't be pushy. But how to do it? <laughs> Practically. By giving people information. I think I'll, I'll give you the answer because I'm playing around here a little bit. And I think this will make sense to you. If everybody in here thought that they were a media publisher, not an advertiser, they would make different content. Instead of thinking you're making a television commercial, think that you're making a television show. Got it? You're making commercials on Facebook. That's when you're pushy. When you start thinking about making a show, now you're bringing value, entertainment, information, utility, that's how you do it. So basically my business is based on eBay platform and I know eBay platform super well. I know that platform better than... Which platform? eBay. eBay. Yeah. Good. I know this platform better than my girlfriend. But at the same time, eBay is like living the psycho man. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen in life. Yeah, especially with eBay. Anyway. <laughs> No, no, it's what you know well, which is why you know how unstable and how much it moves. The only reason you're saying that is you're, you have expertise in eBay. I promise you, you never know what's going to happen in social. You never know what's going to happen in crypto. You never know what's going to happen in Madison Avenue and Wall Street and Warsaw and Silicon Valley. You could get hit by a bus tonight and die. You never know anything. Okay, so I'm going to go question. So there are two statements in business. One statement is that we need to go all in, 100% into it. And another statement is that we need to create some different Both. sources of income. Both. 
Go off. You're 20 fucking years old. 16, 19, 23. Right? 26. Fine. You look great. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Both. Keep crushing eBay and establish other revenue streams too. So you mean like keep, keep doing on eBay and also establish Amazon, Etsy, and so on? A hundred percent. Thank you. And, and you know why, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have the time to work 10 hours more a day. Also, do you see a drop shipping like long-term uh, thing, yes. long-term business? Yes. And Selling shit will always be around. Sometimes markets are better. Sometimes Shopify is better than Amazon. Sometimes eBay is better than, you know, than, you know, uh, Craigslist. Sometimes Facebook Marketplace. Shit will always change. eBay didn't fucking exist 20 years ago. You're asking for me or anybody else to stay stable in a world that constantly moves. The end. Wow. In a world that constantly is moving and changing day to day, moment to moment, there really is no stability. So what do you do? You have to change with it. You cannot remain the same, which means, you know, let's just take any industry, for example, any industry out there. The medical industry has changed. In 2019, they're ushering in so many different changes and so many different things. The tax industry, where, where we used to pay taxes on one thing, now that has changed. You know, we have to stay with the times, which means you must stay informed, especially if you're going after something. If you're going after something and you are not informed by it, you're not up to date by it. And, I, and you know, there are some times where I don't have to... I don't have time to be up to date because I'm working on something. But then I have to stop for a second, go back and check. We all have to be on our top game if we want to go ahead and chase after our dreams. And the advice that others won't tell you about is something that Gary Vee talks about. I couldn't get any entry-level job in my own company because I couldn't pass the written test or the math test for the two disciplines. I couldn't. I own the whole fucking thing. And the straight facts are, I could not work for my own company in an entry-level job. Were you always successful? In everything but school. Didn't do well in school. Poor. Terrible, actually. Um, punted it. And this is where I give my parents enormous credit. Education is the way out for immigrants. Sure my mom recognized that I was a merchant, an entrepreneur, and then when I got D's and F's, she punished me. Even though she knew I didn't need school in her heart, she made me know that there was accountability for things. The biggest problem right now is insecurity. Everybody's actions are to get shit to close their insecurity. You have so much time and everybody's in such a rush. They're in a rush because they want to prove something to somebody. Money is not the variable of happiness. To me, life is broken down into complaining and not. So if you're not complaining, well then I have no, I have no advice for you. I'm, I'm pumped, like you did it. I just don't understand people dwelling and complaining. Like listen, I really, really, really would have enjoyed being the quarterback of the New York Jets. But by fourth grade, I looked around, I'm like, fuck, I'm not gonna be the quarterback of the Jets. <laughs> and so I said, you know what? Instead of being the quarterback of the Jets, I'm gonna buy the Jets. There's so many people that are talking shit about how big of an entrepreneur they're gonna be and how much they're gonna achieve. 
and they don't work on weekends. The reason I do a daily blog on YouTube is don't listen to what I'm saying, watch what I'm doing. I want to make patience and empathy and gratitude and eating fucking dog shit for 15 years cool. Mm. Period. Because that's the only way they're going to get it. Right. You know, I worked every Saturday of my 20s. Like, I don't sit in my couch and say, I'm going to be a millionaire and then, like, jerk off while I'm playing Madden all day. Like, people want all these special things to happen, but then they're acting like everybody else. And that gets into the Saturdays on in your 20s. Like, or, or just, like, taking risks or things of that nature. Like, this shit's fucking binary. Either you do the shit that gets you there or you don't. And everybody's focused on the finish line not the treadmill work and the fucking drinking the fucking egg like Rocky fucking Balboa. They don't want to do that shit. So what should we do, Gary Vee? People should fucking stop complaining. Right. People good, should good figure call. out who the fuck they are. You gotta figure out how to try shit. Like that's the only like like you just never know what your favorite food was until you try it. If you only had chicken, you might have not known that hot dogs were the best. So that's what I love about the internet. These kids have so much option to like watch shit on YouTube and to like my only answer to Nate or anybody like, is just like, just try shit. The reason most people who are listening right now are not doing that thing is they're worried about the opinion of somebody, usually their mother, usually their father, and the reality is, is that your spouse may be the person holding you back and you have to have that conversation. Do you feel like you judge yourself? I don't, and it's what I want for everybody else. We're beating ourselves up. Like, everybody sucks at something. Right? Like we all have shortcomings and we all have strengths. And for me, it's like, why don't we just audit that? You have to love hard. You have to love eating shit. You have to love people leaving comments saying you suck. You have to love the process. Figure out what your fucking thing is and stop making fucking bullshit excuses. Who the president is, your mom did this, like, like I missed it, I had that idea for Uber. Then why didn't you fucking do it, dick? People decide no before they try. You've just decided no because the system tells you no. You've been pound, you've been sold no. If you're lucky enough right now to be listening and you're good at what you like, become tunnel fucking vision. Because there's way too many voices telling you what and how. I want the pain, I want the process, I have the patience, I don't care when I have setbacks. I know that I'm asking for something special and if you're asking for something special, it should be hard. Everybody's saying no. I just say yes. And then if it's a no, I don't give a fuck. You're gonna judge me that I lost? I don't give a fuck what you think. And that's why I get so into that. Because then, then you're not scared to try shit. Because when you don't give a fuck what anybody says about you failing, you love failing. I love music. Own your shortcomings, own your strengths, surround yourself with the other shit, and stuff starts to pop. Thank you for having me. In my other show the other day, we spoke about it. We we talked that it really doesn't exist. If you had that idea, if you have that, just just go for it. You know, you but you know he's right. Gary is right. You have to love criticism. Um, the other day, I had someone tell me um, what was it? They, they, I was saying how I wanted to dye my hair, 
That's it. I just wanted to dye my hair. And so for me, dyeing my hair means henna. I love henna, the conditioning aspects of it. It's natural. It's, it's no chemicals. And I got the one that's red. And it's not really red. It's more like a burgundy. It just gives your hair just a red tint because it's henna, so it's, you know, whatever. My hair is not red, but it's really super conditioned, which is wonderful. And it has a little red tint to it, which goes away after about four washes. Um, but it's like, okay, so that's what I was talking about. But I put this really crazy Snapchat picture up on my Facebook page, and boy, did I get it. You know, the correction of I'm beautiful the way I am, why not leave my hair alone? It's going to cause all kinds of different things. And, of course, there was a scripture, uh, and the scripture led to um, – uh, what was it, um, that, it, you know, how uh, boils on the head and, and the curse and all this. And I'm going, man, dude, it just, it's henna. It's natural. It's, you know, you, and then it was, you know, I'm just bringing correction. Correction? Wow. All right. So, you know, it's like, okay, so, yeah, you get that. You do get that. And that's fine. It's just people assume I hate assumptions, but at the same time, I have to be willing to take the criticism, right? Well, I put that it was henna and it was natural. Thank you for your concern. And they came back at me and I said, you know what? This is what I don't need in my life. So you have to make some tough choices sometimes. A lot of times you have to say, well, do I need this? Do I want this? Do Does this benefit me to have this here? Does it benefit me to listen? And at that point, no, it doesn't. So blocked it was. And that's fine, you know, I don't I don't I don't wanna be rude or nasty, but negativity is is something that's negativity. Criticism is totally different than negativity. So you have to love criticism. Criticism means that, you know, hey, this is something you sh- you know you should think about. This is something that maybe this is not gonna work for you, or maybe it didn't work, or maybe it backfired. Fine, that's great. Uh, but hair color is just, yeah. <laughs> hair color doesn't mean anything to me. So it's like, okay. But at the same time, was was I mean? Was I rude? Was I nasty? No, I don't believe I was. But again, you have to be able to get rid of that negativity in your life. And obviously, it did bother me a little bit that I had to kind of block the person because they just would not stop. And so, I mean, where do you draw the line? That is totally up to you. But that is advice that other people pretty much won't tell you. To go for your dreams, yes, but to realize that there are going to be people out there that not, they're not going to like what you're doing, or there might be people out there that know what you're doing and know you're going in the wrong direction, direction and they're trying to give you some uh, criticism, some healthy criticism. And that, I say, is something we should all take. And by the way, are you on Facebook? Are you on LinkedIn? Are you on Instagram? Well, you got it. Gary V's got something to say about that. Micro fucking content. Written, know who your audience is. You got your perspective. I just want to be happy. Don't you want to be happy? I kind of lost that you know, 250,000 a followers. That's like 25 million on the you know, TV show killing it. Uh, the the thing like, on the entrepreneur OTT? Yeah. More importantly, you you don't know how to go from the next the two hundred thousand. What's the two, what's the two hundred thousand on Instagram? Follow. It's all engaged. I mean, you get fifty thousand people watching a video. Let me see it real quick. I mean, it's super fun for me to look at this because it's so like 
the the model. You know, like it feels so. First and foremost, you're not putting out enough content. Okay. Like, like. We have a shitload that we don't put out. Yeah, I don't know. What's, I don't like. First and foremost, this is one day ago. The next piece is four days ago. You went three days without posting. Like, I'm posting four. Now, actually, I'm a little down and I'm upset about it. And we're like, tr- like, we're like, I've like angst that for the last 45 days I've gone away from my four times a day, five times a day, to two or three a day. You're posting once every three days in that example. Um, I think you aren't posting enough. Let, let me tell you something that's super important that we've come to realize. The micro content's more important than the macro content. You're producing a, I don't know, are you producing a blog? Right. Don't put the blog on the pedestal. Put the pieces of content from the daily blog on the pedestal. It's a reverse, right? 100%. The five or six magic moments, all, you know, right now we're like in this really realizing it stage, so we're having a lot of fun because we keep looking at each other because every time we have a moment, which used to be a good scene from the blog, we know is going to be a separate video. I mean, I had a... Uh, I had a video from me and YG, the rapper, that got 1.4 million views on, on Instagram that, like, the vlog got 29,000 views for the whole episode. And that was, like, got three million. Right. So, if you want IG, I mean, a couple things. A couple things to talk about. First, I think everyone's getting sucked into IG, period. Meaning, it's so cool. It's so the platform. But, like, look. Not everybody's going to over-index on IG. Like, IG is, you know, for example, I would like to see you put out four pieces of content a day on LinkedIn. You will impact your business way more if you do that. From what I'm seeing, first and foremost, it's a volume game. Number two, I think you, um, I think you are mailing in the copy too much. So I think one of the mis in the market right now is people are mailing in copy because it's all so visual. You'd be blown away how much I believe real good copy. I mean, like, be you heart. I like that, actually, because sometimes it's good to just be like, but you're kind of doing that in the content. This is where you can really pontificate. Like, I think one of the reasons why IG does so well is I... You know, maybe people can tell because I have no grammar skills. Like, I write my copy, and as you can see, like, I kind of, at my best, I go there. I go there. I, like, write shit. I think it matters. What's that? Would make sense. Um, content. Content. Uh, more content. It's not enough. So other than volume, what is your advice on just getting Volume. Volume getting into more hands. Volume first is like, you know, you're like, how do I shoot more deer? It'd be nice if you shot 88 times a day, not four. Let's start there. Comma, okay, now you're talking about strategy. Should I go in a fucking tree? You know, volume, volume, volume. Collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. The way to grow an IG is get the other people to co-sign you. Make content that brings people value to other people. You've got access, right? I would have a strategy on the team of like athletes or business people that have big followings. Figure out how to get in front of them. I know it is. But, but I would argue that I'm not so sold that IG is the best. Because the reality is like, not, and I mean this, like there's a of like culture in IG that is going to feel forced if you go too hard at it. I got lucky. Like I don't know what else to say. I got lucky that I 
grew up in Edison, New Jersey, that I went to an all-black college. Like, I, I got lucky that there was some hidden cool in me that feels authentic now that this is here. I'll be really honest, if I was your business partner, I'd be like, fuck that, podcast IG. Excuse me, podcast LinkedIn, podcast LinkedIn. The other question is, what do you want to happen? I actually want global awareness and admiration and fame, admiration, so IG is super important to me. You know, I, I want to sign athletes. Like, it's really good that all these five-star recruits all follow me now, that by the time we get our, ba- you know, when I was talking about patience, because I know right now I have every 18-year-old that's a five-star recruit who's going to come out in 24, 36 months, and we'll be ready for that. Yeah, you're there You know? So, uh, but what the fuck are you doing? Like, and by the way. I just business goals to get business, right? Right. So, like, if you're, and like, you know, there's your noble goal, and then there's your financial goal. And everything has to map to that, right? And by the way, a lot of my friends, and I actually believe in this a lot, if your financial goal enables you to use your noble goal to be just writing checks to charity, then go all I'm thrilled being a businessman. I don't bring awareness to my nonprofits. I do that quietly. I'm, I think the best thing I can do in the world is fucking rewire everybody's head. That's what I'm doing well. I'm, I'm like, I'm attacking depression. And like, I'm doing real shit without it being so obvious. It's getting more obvious, unfortunately. Which, which I'm not kidding, makes it harder to do. Anyway, volume is number one. Too many of you, without knowing, are in the bigger piece of content business, not in the micro business. D-Rock used to want to make movies, win Academy Awards. Now he's more excited about making one Instagram chopped up video. I can, I know him, I know him. If he makes a video that gets 17 million views on Instagram in the next four months, he's gonna be on a high for a month about it. Because the most we've ever gotten are two, I think, right? So. Written word, written word. Yeah, man, you got, you're gonna have to go through your own process of creative ego to practicality of the world we now live in. You will. You're gonna be, by the way, you're gonna be forced into figuring it out because it's gonna be the game. Yeah, that's the part. You were forced into it, but now you've learned to love it. But the corporation still like the long shit and they like RT. I think you should be in the more copy, transcribing that interview what with about the. Live? Like, I don't go live enough. I think yes. Exactly. Yes, 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 yes. More. Yeah. Cool. All right. Any other questions you guys? I know that's got it. That's the one. Yeah. And I get it. And that's the, honestly, that's the number one question people should be asking. The number one question people should be asking me is what is why and what is working for me? Because that's that's it. Live by, I, thought, I think it's live horrible, by. but if you're a resource guy, say I got X amount of time, you say rather make Instagram cuts out of all the vlogs. Film everything and make 81 pieces of content from it in a day and don't do a fucking vlog. I would literally not do a vlog over the article on LinkedIn. I mean, go answer questions on Quora with your content. There's so much you can do. You should put this video up as much as I should. Because then you can leverage me. You can run it against Gary Vee fans on Facebook. They're a little protected there. 
Yes, but you know why they're protective? You mean the fans themselves? Because your fans are great, but they're... They're protective because if you try to do it just to get them to be on you, they'll fucking kill you because I've made them so authentic. But if you actually try to bring value, and if you go in humility and be like, just like all of you, I love... You, you're always very... You're very smart, so it's going to be easy for you. Be like, I also view Gary as a mentor. That comes with humility. They'll fucking love you. If you're like trying to come in there like a lot of other people and try to take their money because I'm giving free, they will fucking kill you. I get it, but you know what I mean? That's why. Conversations with Gary V are very interesting, and I find that you know, a lot of times if you just go up to him and if you can get him to answer your question, he'll give it all to you. Like he was saying there, you know, LinkedIn and Instagram, you have to be posting a lot. I mean, it's not it's not macro comment, it's micro comment. So, well, micro posts, it's little posts here and there. Video is king. When people see you, it's amazing. And that's something I'm lacking on because I'm so busy with the radio, so busy with everything, but I'm actually converting my time over uh, to be more uh, for 2019 so I have my schedule up and running, and it is amazing, the schedule. But I'm telling you right now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very honest with you, Gary Vee has a lot, but we all have ways of doing things that will work for us that maybe Gary Vee has interjected a new idea for you and something that, you know, you didn't know that was there that, you know, hey, wow, I didn't know I could do that. Or, wow, I didn't know that would be something that I should be doing. Um, Wow. And so I go back into um, a really cool Tony Robbins Succeed, and we're going to just listen to a couple of minutes of that before my, uh, before my, my, uh, interview was up and and I I'm just I'm amazed I'm just I'm thinking right now it's it's not that I'm not a loss of words I'm really not I'm thinking about what Gary has said and I'm trying to figure out how that's going to work for me and I hope you're doing the same one of the critics actually that I once met said yeah Tony's techniques they were great for about a year and a half and then they wore off What do you say to that folks? If you don't it's real simple. If you don't work out, you don't get a you don't get a muscle, right? right? So I always tell people this is there's a daily practice like priming. If you don't do that, if you get up and you just have no discipline whatsoever, you get no value of anything. Your diets don't work when you don't do them. Exercise doesn't work when you don't do them. But most of the people have some experiences that they want to shift. And once you shift those things, your whole life changes. But life is constant growth. My life isn't here because I went to one seminar one time and now my life is fit for life. I, I work out, I train my mind, I train my body, and it becomes a lifestyle. It's not just a, like you're depending upon somebody else. I'm not here to become somebody's guru. I'm not here to give them a gift. I'm here for them to open up their own gifts. And that's really what my work has been. People who succeed in any situation have a pattern of what they do to succeed. And it doesn't matter whether that person is succeeding in a business context or in a relationship context. It doesn't matter what the environment is. The fundamental lessons or laws for succeeding are very, very basic. So if we're looking for the ultimate success formula, the very first thing we have is you'd have to know what you want, which we call know your outcome. You're going to succeed at anything. It's hard to succeed, hard to hit a target when you don't know what it is. And as simplistic as this sounds, do, no, do most people really know what they want? What do you think, yes or no? 
at least not consciously they don't, right? And so it's going to be very, very difficult to achieve what you want when you haven't defined it. But this is going to become a question we're going to want you to ask yourself a lot. What is my outcome in this situation? I even have a time management system that I developed. It's really a life management system, which we call OPA, because the first O sounds for what's my outcome. Because you can come up with a question like, what should I do? And you're going to end up with a long list. But as you do all these things, what will happen is you can cross something off your list and still be unfulfilled and not really achieve anything that matters. So you'll say, what's my outcome first? Then you begin to decide what you need to do to get the outcome. So in this case, we want to say, what's your outcome? You want to make it a habit to ask this question a lot. You're in the middle of a conversation. Stop yourself if it seems to go nowhere and say, what's my outcome here? Do I want to connect? Do I want to influence this person? Do I want to learn something? What's your outcome? For example, how many of you have ever been caught up in an argument and you even forgot what you're arguing for, but you knew you had to win. How many have been there? Say I. Okay, if in the middle of that argument you were to ask yourself the question, what's my outcome here? I guarantee you your brain would say, well, my outcome is not to fight, my outcome is to resolve this. And as you get clear on what your real target is, your behavior will change automatically. So very, very few people know what they want. And the more you clear you can get about what you want, the more you can really achieve. You might write underneath this as a subset of number one, still number one, just write clarity is power. Clarity is power. The more clear you can become about what it is you really want, the more power you're going to have. Because your brain is like a servo mechanism in a, a bomb, as an example. When they send a missile out, it has a servo mechanism. It knows what the target is. And when the target moves, it follows it. Well, your brain is very similar. When you decide exactly what it is you want, you start picking up information that you never would have picked up before consciously. For example, have you ever bought a particular car, maybe, or maybe a certain outfit, and then all of a sudden you see that car or outfit everywhere? How many have had that experience? Say, I. Well, was that car or outfit already around you all the time? Yeah, but you didn't notice it because there's a portion of your brain that is responsible for one thing, and that is screening out 99% of what you see, hear, and feel in life. Because if you were to notice everything that's going on in this room right now, you go start craving mad. But most of you don't. You pay attention to a small number of things. If you could right now, notice what? Millions of things. You could notice my voice. You could listen to what I'm saying. You could notice what's going on in the background, the screens. You could hear the air conditioning. You could smell your neighbor off to all that jumping up and down. Notice that. Right? You could feel maybe a little sweat trickling across your chest or whatever was going on after all that jumping up and down. You could feel the blood maybe vibrating or circulating through your left eardrum. But you don't think about those things. So maybe I mentioned them or something triggers it. So this part of our brain that's responsible for deleting most of our thoughts and most of the things that are going on around us, that part of our brain, when, you know, when it knows what you want, it makes you notice those things. You suddenly see that car because it's important. It's called the reticular activating system. You don't have to write all that down. For short, it's called RAS. The reticular activating system tells your brain what to pay attention to. So when you say, this is what I really want, now, anything that relates to that that you wouldn't have noticed before will start popping up into your focus. And a lot of times people say, it's amazing. I decided this, and it was kind of you know, synchronicity. These things started popping up. Well, these things were probably around you before, but you never noticed them because you hadn't decided your outcome. Now, when you know your outcome, you're ahead of 95% of the population, but that's not enough. The second thing you've got to know is a lot of times you know your outcome, but you lose your drive. You know, you want something, but you forget the most important thing, which is know why you want it. Know why you want it. You've got to know the purpose. In our OPA training system, when people are managing their lives, we have them ask, what's my outcome? And then, why do I want this? 
Because any person successful, really successful, knows exactly what they want and they know why. The reason you don't know why is, remember I said yesterday, reasons come first, answers come second. If you have enough reasons, you can get a big enough why, you can figure out how to do about anything. But you've got to have purpose because purpose provides drive. Now, if you know what you want and you know why, you're light years ahead of most of the population, but you've got to go the step that most people seem to avoid. And that is you've got to take massive what? That's right. And the key word there is massive. Massive action can be a cure-all when you know what you're after and you know why you want it. Because when you know what you're after, when you take action, you won't just be expending energy. You'll be moving yourself in a direction towards something you really, really want. And by the way, last night we called taking massive action personal what? Power, which means the ability to take action. And what stops people from taking action primarily? What? Fear. And the way you get over that fear is what do you think is the number one fear most people have? Failure. And the reason is they feel if they fail, they won't be loved. They'll be rejected. They'll be hurt. They'll be judged. So what they really are afraid of is losing love. And they think that this rejection, or I should say this failure, will lead to that rejection or loss of love. The truth of the matter is you can't fail unless you don't try. If you try something that doesn't work, you just learn from it, and that will make you better the next time you go about it. Now, if you know your outcome, know why you want it, and take massive action, you're now in the most small percentile of people on the planet. So what's the next step, though? Well, you can take a lot of action and get caught up in a pattern. Like, become so determined that you became like tunnel vision. Like, I know this is going to work. And so you keep running east looking for a sunset with total certainty and a lot of belief, high standards, still doesn't work. So what you have to be able to do to succeed so you don't get caught up in some old pattern is you've got to know what you're getting. Know what you are. Know what you're getting. The word we use for this, as for short, is we call it sensory acuity. Sensory acuity is the idea that you want to become acutely sensitive to whether what you're doing is working or not. You don't want to just say, okay, I know what I want, I know what I want, and I'm just going to make it happen, this is how I'm going to do it, and you keep hammering it and hammering it and hammering it, doing something that doesn't work. And people do this all the time, right? Do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's called insanity. You can't do the same thing again and again and expect a different result when you can see it doesn't get the result. But we get caught up in our pattern. So we want to get really sensitized, acutely sensitized, sensory acuity, to whether what we're doing is working or not. And by the way, sensory acuity is really the measure of a person's intelligence. What I mean by that is how do we measure intelligence? Intelligence is a measure of the number and quality of distinctions you have in a given situation. Like, for example, if you talk to Eskimos, that's actually not the politically correct term anymore. I guess it's in a way. If you talk to an in a way, what we formerly called Eskimos, you'd find out that, in a way, have more than a dozen words for the word snow. More than a dozen. Now, I'm from Southern California. Guess how many words I have for snow? <laughs> One. I don't see any of it. It's called snow, baby. Right? But they've got to know what kind of snow. They've got to make more refined distinctions to be effective in the world, to get their outcomes. They've got to know what kind of snow you can build an igloo out of, what kind of snow you can take your dogs through, what kind of snow you can eat, right? what kind of snow you're going to fall through. So who has more intelligence, who has more power in that snowy environment, the Eskimo or me? Which one? Eskimo, because they have more sensory acuity. They have more refined distinctions about what each of these elements mean versus I just see it as snow. Now, if you took that Eskimo and you stuck him in my car in Los Angeles, then we'd find out that maybe I have a little more intelligence because he might try to steer the thing using the rearview mirror. Right? He just doesn't know. So since he doesn't have that acuity, he doesn't have those distinctions, he wouldn't do terribly well there. See, some people I could hold this up and I could say, what is this? And they'd say, well, it's a cylinder. 
Other people say, no, no, that's a blue, white, and black cylinder. Someone else says, no, no, that's a blue color marker. A few people say, no, 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 that's not just a blue color marker. That is a pilot, super color, bride and wide color marker, and if you get it in your clothes, it'll never come out. Now, which one of those people has more power? One, two, three, or four? Four, because they have the largest number of distinctions. So now, if you know your outcome, you know why you want it. You got your purpose. You got your drive. You got your A and OPA. This is outcome, purpose, action. You know the massive action. You're taking action. And you notice if it's working. What happens if you notice it's not working? You're taking action, but it's not getting you closer to your outcome. What's the obvious fifth step? The fifth step is change your approach. Change your approach. If what you're doing, your cutie says, is not working, change it. Now, what if you change your approach and that's still not working? Then what would you do? What would you do? Come on, what would you do? Change it again. Keep yourself in a peak state. Sit up in your chair. Some of you have gone back into that deep hypnotic state of learning, I can see. And what if you tried that and it didn't work? Then what would you do? What if that doesn't work? What do you do? And what if that doesn't work? What do you do? What if that doesn't work? What do you do? What if after all that it still doesn't work? What do you do? And what if you try that and it doesn't work? How many times? Until you find out what works. Do not say to yourself, I've tried everything. That's bull. If you tried everything, you'd have what you want. Well, I haven't tried everything, but I've tried millions of things. Millions? Number them. Name them. Well, maybe tens of thousands. Tens of thousands? Name a thousand. Well, maybe a hundred. Name a hundred. Well, maybe I did these two things over and over again that don't work. Okay? But when we start saying, I've tried everything, we tend to encant that, don't we? We make it an incantation, and then we believe it. And since we think we've tried everything, we just give up. That's garbage. Not true. Hey, let me ask you a question. How long would you give your average baby to learn how to walk, you know, before you shut them off and didn't let them try anymore? You go, what are you, crazy? My kid's going to keep trying until he or she walks. Ah, magic formula. You know, almost everything in the whole world walks. Okay. So this is the ultimate success form. It comes down to knowing what you want, why you want it, taking massive action, knowing if it's working, and simply changing your approach until you get it. That's it. Anyone who succeeds does this. They may not call it Robin's ultimate success formula, but I guarantee they did it. An important example, Thomas Edison, these lights in here. Did this guy know his outcome, yes or no? Yes or no? He was absolutely clear. Without knowing the outcome, he couldn't have built that in a million years. It didn't exist before. He had to decide he wanted to create this result without the use of candles. Did he know why he wanted to do it? You bet. You read his writings. This man had a sense of incredible purpose and drive. Did he take massive action, yes or no? Oh, yes. Tens of thousands of experiments. Did he notice when it wasn't working and learn from it, yes or no? Did he keep changing his approach? That's why right now in this room we don't smell candlelight, right? Now, if you know the old story of him, it's written about him early, in his early days. He's got his best friend with him. He's doing this experiment. And as he's doing it, he creates a small explosion, which shakes the room, scares both of them very, very severely. And then at the end of that, he gets up, and his friend is totally shaken, freaked out. He pulls out his journal, and he starts writing. And his buddy says to him, what's the matter with you? Insane, you almost killed us. So you're going to wait till you have 10,000 failures before you give this stupid idea up? And Edison's response to him was, I didn't have a failure there. He goes, that's your 9,999 failure. He said, no, it's not. He said, I discovered the 9,999th way not to invent the electric light bulb. But I did discover how to create a small explosion, which may be useful in the future somewhere else. 
Uh, interesting, right? Because he understood what this process was. Hey, did Bruce Springsteen use this? Do you think he just went out and used his gravelly voice and said, hey, baby, born to USA, and everybody went, yeah, you're it, man. Is that what happened? No. What really happened, if you know his story, was that all the agents and people he went to try and book with said, just play the guitar and keep your mouth shut. Your voice is gross sounding. It's gravelly. It's irritating. No one is going to like the stuff. Keep your mouth shut and play the guitar. But he knew what he wanted. He had all the drive you can imagine. He knew why he wanted. Took massive action. Kept changing his approach until he got what he wanted. How about uh, Sly Stallone, Sylvester Stallone, Rocky? Rocky's story is this even, right? But Sly's is too. Sly's a good friend of mine. And when I first met him years ago, he's listening to my tapes and stuff, and he invited me over for dinner. We started talking. And I said, you know, I've heard your story from other people, but I really love to hear it from the horse's mouth. I don't know how much is mythology, you know, urban myth, and how much is true. So he told me his whole story. He said the essence of it, though, was he said he knew his whole life what he wanted to do since he was very, very young. He wanted to be in the movie business, period. I mean, not just TV, movies. And he, just, he said why was, for him, it was a chance to have people not only escape, but to inspire people. And by the way, that drive is what made most of his movies, inspire people to what they're capable of, to overcome unbelievable obstacles, because in his own life he felt like he did that. When he was born, he was pulled out by the forceps. That's why he looked the way he did. That's why he talked the way he did. And he said, so I really want to do that. And he said, I knew why I want to do it, and I wasn't willing to settle for anything else. And he said, what happened was I went out to try and get jobs, and it's not like I went, hey, Adrian, and they went, you, you're a star. It didn't work out real well. They looked at me and said, hey, you're stupid looking. Do something else. You know, what is it talking like this? There's no place for you in that stuff. You're never going to be a star in the movies. You're insane. No one's going to want to listen to somebody who looks dopey and talks out of the side of their mouth, right? And he got no after no after no after no. He said, I was thrown out more, more than 1,500 times of agents' offices in New York. I said, there aren't 1,500 agents in New York. He said, I know. I've been to them five, six, seven, eight, nine times. He said, I remember one guy, I went in there, and I got in there at 4 o'clock, and he wouldn't see me, so I stayed there, and I would not leave. And I stayed overnight. He came back the next morning. I was still sitting there. He said, that's how I got my first job. The guy said, fine, come in here. And he sat down, and he went through this, and he gave my first movie. I said, oh, really? I thought Rocky was your first movie. He said, no, this other movie, I never heard of it. He said, I said, well, what character did you play? He said, well, I was in it for about 20 seconds. I was a thug that somebody beat up. He said, because they made me feel like, you know, somebody, people hate your guts. You getting beat up, it'll be a good thing. And he did like three movies like that. Never got anything. Kept going out. Rejection, rejection, rejection. But finally he realized it wasn't working. So he changed his approach. He said, I was starving, by the way. He said, I couldn't pay for even to have heat in my apartment. My wife was screaming at me every day to go get a job. I said, well, why didn't you? He said, because I knew that if I got a job, he said, I'd get seduced back and I'd lose my hunger. He said, I knew that the only way I could do this is if it was the only choice, if I burned all of the bridges. Because if I did a normal job, pretty soon I'd be caught up in that rhythm and that stuff and I'd feel okay about my life and I'd feel like my dream would just gradually disappear. He said, I wanted to keep that hunger. That hunger was the only thing I thought was my advantage. He said, my wife didn't understand that at all. He said, we'd have these vicious fights. And he said, it was freezing. So I was broke. We had no money. And he said, so I finally went to the public library one day because it was warm. So I didn't want to read anything. So I went in, New York Public Library. So I was hanging out there and I sat down in this chair and somebody left a book there. And he said, I looked down at this book, and it was the poems of Edgar Allan, stories of Edgar Allan Poe. And he said, so I started reading it, and he said, I got totally into Edgar Allan Poe. And he said, I know everything about it. And he goes on for another 20 minutes telling me about Edgar Allan Poe. He knows everything, how he died, what it was about, what really happened. And I said, well, what did Poe do for you? He said, Poe got me out of myself. He got me to think about how I could touch other people and not worry about myself so much. And he said, it made me decide to become a writer. 
I said, just imagine Rocky the writer, right? And he said, so I tried to write a bunch of screenplays. Nothing worked, nothing worked. I was totally broke. He said, I didn't even have 50 bucks. And he said, and finally, he said, I sold a script. It was called Paradise Alley. It's a movie I made many years later, but I sold it. And he said, I sold it for 100 bucks. He said, but 100 bucks was a ton of money, man. I was so thrilled. I thought, I'm on my way. But it never led to anything. And he said, so finally, he said, I kept going and going and going. He said, finally, we were so broke. He said, I hawked my wife's jewelry. He said, Tony, there's some things in life you should never do. He said, that was basically the end of our relationship. She hated my gut so much. He said, now we were so broke, we had nothing, no food, no money. And he said, the one thing I loved most in the world was my dog. He said, I love my dog because he gave me unconditional love, unlike my wife. And he said, so what happened was, though, we were so broke that to survive, I couldn't even feed my dog. So I went to a liquor store. He said, it was the lowest day of my life. And I stood outside the liquor store trying to sell my dog to strangers. He said, I tried to sell my dog for 50 bucks. And he said that finally this one guy negotiated with me and bought my dog for me, my best friend on earth, for $25. He said, I walked away from there and I cried. He said, it was the worst thing that ever happened in my life. He said, two weeks later, I'm watching a fight between Muhammad Ali and Weppner, this white guy that's getting bludgeoned but just keeps on coming even though he gets the hell beat out of him. And he said, I got an idea. He said, I, as soon as the fight ended, I started writing. He said, I wrote for 20 straight hours. I did not sleep. I wrote the entire movie in 20 hours straight. Right then. Saw the fight, wrote the movie. Whole thing. Done. He said, I was shaking at the end. I was so excited. He said, I really knew, man. I knew what I wanted. I knew why I wanted it. He said, just like you teach that formula. He said, but I said, man, I took the action. Now it's time to deliver. And so he said, I went out and started trying to sell it to agents. And they all would read it. And they'd say, you know, this is predictable. This is stupid. This is sappy. He said, I wrote down all the things they said. And I read them the night of the Oscars when we won. Right? He said it was really good, right? The greatest revenge is massive success. <laughs> and he said, so what happened was, he said, I kept going, trying to sell it, trying to sell it, nobody going, I'm broke, I'm starving. He said, finally, I meet these guys, they read it, and they believe in the script, and they love it. And they offer me $125,000 for my script. I said, oh, my God, you must have been out of your mind. He said, I was. I said, just one thing, though, guys. You've got a deal based on one thing. And they said, what's that? He said, i got a star in it. They went, Pfft. what are you talking about? You're a writer. He said, no, no, I'm an actor. I said, no, 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 you're a writer. I said, no, no, I'm an actor. That is my story, and I'm Rocky. He said, i got to play it. You know, i got to be the head person. i got to be the starring role. And they said, there's no way. We're not going to pay you $125,000, take some no name, and stick you in that and throw our money away. We need a star. You know, and they want to have Ryan O'Neal play Rocky to give you a picture. Can you imagine? That's who they picked, right? And so he said, no way, Ryan O'Neal isn't Rocky. I'm Rocky. We'll do this whole thing, right? They finally, he said, they said, well, take it or leave it. He said, I left the room. I said, if that's what you believe, you don't get my script. And he left. Here's a man with no money, none, totally broke, offered $125,000 more money than seen in his lifetime. And he walked away because he knew his real what? Knew his real what? And why he wanted he was committed to it. So he said they called him a few weeks later, and they came and brought him back, and they offered him a quarter of a million dollars not to star in his own movie. He turned it down, $250,000. They came back, their final offer was $325,000. They wanted this thing. He said, not without me, and they said no. They finally compromised, and they gave him $35,000 and points in the movie, because they said, if this is going to happen, then you're going to take the risk with us. And the bottom line is, we don't think it'll work, but at least we won't spend a bunch of money on you. And they only spent a million dollars to make Rocky, and it grows $200 million at the time.
I, I mean, it was done pretty well. But what's interesting about this is here's he, I said, what'd you do? I mean, even 35,000, it's not a quarter of a million. That's a lot of money when you don't have 25 bucks. I said, what's the first thing you did? I figured you went out and partied or something. He said, I went to that liquor store for three straight days and hoped that the man who had my dog frequented the store. He said, I want to buy back my dog. And that was so cool, right? That was really cool. I said, what happened? He said, third day I was there, this guy walks by, and I see him, and I can't believe it, and there's my dog. And I looked at him, and I said, sir, remember me? And he said, it had been about a month and a half by the time this had all come about. And he said, remember me? You know, I'm the guy who sold you the dog. And I goes, yeah, yeah, I love the dog. He said, look. He said, I was so broke. I was starving. He's my best friend. I'm sure you love him, too. But i got to have him black. Please, I beg of you. He said, I'll pay you $100 for the dog. I know you paid me $25. I'll give you 100 The man said, absolutely not. No way. My dog now, you can't buy him back. Right? And Sly said, you know, Tony, you know he said, know your outcome? I said, yeah. He said, I knew it. And he said, I kept changing my approach. So I went, $500 for the dog. The guy said, absolutely no way. He said, $1,000 for my dog. The guy said, no amount of money on earth is ever going to get this dog for you. I said, what would you do? He said, I knew my outcome, right? Because he listened to these tapes, kept doing them. He said, I decided to take massive action. He said, I got my dog. I just kept changing my approach, so I got it. I said, what it cost you? $15,000 and a part in Rocky. The guy's in Rocky. You know that dog in Rocky, Butt Kiss? That's Sly's real dog, right? That's the dog. He bought him back. So, so he put his dog in the movie, and he put the guy in the movie and paid 15 grand while he had 35000 Isn't that pretty cool? Pretty awesome. So there's always a way if you're committed. Just got to keep changing your approach. And changing our approach, we will continue to do. This is something that, man, I tell you, it really is something that a lot of times we don't realize that we need to change our approach. We need to change what we're doing and how we're doing it. And Gary V. and Tony Robbins have more than, more than enough to let us know that a lot of times we are just not hitting the mark. And I'm just typing here to make sure that this is going to be in our um, description box below for, you know, for just so you guys know what's on this show. But most importantly, that we all know that we have something we have to do. And unfortunately for a lot of us, time is a factor. So we have to figure it out. Because time, everybody has the same amount of time. It's how we use it. So getting locked in to a daily job, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I do think that we all need to take our moments and figure out how we're going to actually go after our dreams, our goals. How are we going to accomplish these things that we say we're going to go after? And I'm just I'm excited. I hope that you have enjoyed Gary V as well as Tony Robbins today. We're going to take a little bit of a short break and play some music for you. And then uh, hopefully if my interview person doesn't call in today, that'll be uh, the end of the show. 
Uh, but I thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you so much. And let me know below in the comment section what you think about this episode and how you are changing and rolling with the punches. Here it is, Trevin with Transcendence.
And today's artist is Trevin. That was Europia. Um, we're going to go ahead and call it a day. I want to thank you again for tuning in. We had some wonderful, wonderful different, uh, two different uh, inspirational people, Gary V and Tony Robbins, to give us some inspiration today, just something a little bit different here on Dream Chasers Radio, because it's not about listening to my voice or any of our interviews. It's about being inspired, and it's about knowing what to do next. So I got to go. I have a lot of work to do and a lot of planning, and of course, a lot of posting to do. So until next time, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Dream Chasers Radio. You've been listening to us on 97.5 FM Real Community Radio as well as on North, in North Florida as well as on Bobby B Radio, the Dream Chasers Radio Network as well as, oh, yes, oh, yes, the Caribbean. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and don't forget to what? Dare to be different, baby, all the time, every day. Thank you.